How many of you have ever seen the show The Voice? Let me see. Yeah, okay. All right. It, it is uh, basically a vocal talent show. That, uh, it was a big hit this past year. And the show's cut up into three phases, basically. You've got the uh, blind audition phase. You've got the, the battle phase, they call it. And then the live performance. And the, the very first phase, this blind audition, it's uh, how the stars, uh, they, they kind of judge the contestants. And you've got some great talents, talents like uh, Christine Aguilera and uh, CeeLo Green. And basically, they're, they're sitting on chairs with their back to, to the contestants. So what, what they do is they, they listen to, to the talent and if they are drawn by the talent, or if they like what they hear, then they turn around, and basically the contestants in at that point. But if they don't, and all the chairs keep their back to the talent, then the audition is over. And in fact, they're done. You, you go home at that point. And I want to suggest that all hinges on the audition. As Christians, we are on the world stage. The world is watching you 24-7. And it is an audition. And the stakes are high. I mean, they're really high. Because eternity is in the balance. And I think it's something we've always got to remember. You know, sometimes I uh, strike up conversations with people that don't know what I do for a living. And... uh, I like, I like that because I can find out a lot of things. And sometimes I'm just talking to someone. I'm having a casual conversation with them. And then I'll just ask off-the-cuff kind of questions. And once in a while I'll ask, I'll say, do you know any Christians? And if you do, what are they like? I mean, what's your impression of the Christians that you know? Now, friends, unfortunately... All too often, I get an earful at that point. The, the response is a bit unsettling to me. You ought to try it sometime. The fact is, it's very eye-opening. But people will say things like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I know some Christians. Hmm. I mean, how would I say it? Uh, they're uptight. They're narrow-minded. They're kind of rigid. You know, other people will say things like, well, I, I don't know Christians very well. They, 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 they kind of keep to themselves. They, they isolate and do their own thing. Some will say, well, I know a few. And they turn me off. They, they judge everyone. They don't like me. I don't like them. They're so self-righteous. And here's my observation through the years. And it's, it's troubling to me. But as I've asked that kind of question of people that are outside the Christian faith, what, what it just hits me is how few have a positive impression of Christians. I mean, I, I wish instead when I would ask that question and ask their general impressions that I, that I heard things like this. Well, sure, I know a few Christians. They're people of integrity. They, they have moral courage. They, they have compassion for other people. 
They're, they're always helping people. In fact, they, they sacrifice sometimes for others. They always shoot straight. They're always honest. You, you can count on them. They, they seem to have an inner strength that other people don't have. They're different, but not weird. Friends, I wish that that was the overall impression that people have of true Christians. And I'll be honest with you, I would trade in a heartbeat that kind of positive image for the impression that most people carry in their mind as to what a Christian is. See, I have figured out that impressions are important. And in fact, they're powerful. Impressions become reality in some people's minds. It's an audition. If you're a Christian, it's an audition. You know, one day Jesus was speaking to the issue of perception. And he was speaking to followers, people that were following him. Jesus says this, Matthew 5, 6, says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In a way, Jesus was saying that, that our attitudes, our actions of each and every follower of Christ will either draw people toward a relationship with God or it'll push people away from ever wanting to have a relationship with God. And see, Jesus wanted his followers to understand how important your daily actions are, your attitudes, how important your conversations are. In fact, I believe Jesus was pleading with his followers then and I believe he's pleading with us now that, that we live in such a way that we draw people toward God. And now I want you to realize how high the stakes are. You know, as you live your life in this world, you can either be a magnet for God or you can repel people from God. See, you are the voice. You are the voice. And you notice, I didn't ask you if you wanted to be the voice. You are the voice. We are all voices. But the question is, what are you saying with your life? You know, let your light shine. Live in such a way that you draw people to God. And when I think about the possibilities, if all Christians were to live that way, I get fired up about it. Because I want my life to matter. I want it to count for more than trinkets and toys and zeros on, on my paycheck. You know, I have a vision of impacting others, impacting eternity. And I believe many of you do too. So what we're going to do is spend some time on this topic. We're going to look at how do we make our voice count in this world. Now, let me ask you this. What quality in other people do you find repulsive? You know, what, what quality makes you want to kind of disassociate from other people? Because I've asked that through the years, and usually a couple things come to the top of the list almost always. Dishonesty, lack of authenticity. 
I mean, I hear it different ways. They don't use those words necessarily, but they'll say things like, you know, I can't stand someone who says one thing and does another. It drives me crazy when when people make a promise to do something and then they just don't come through. They don't contact you. They don't tell you why. They just don't do it. You know, it makes me sick when people put up this false front Because I'll tell you, I know what they're really like. It gets under my skin. It just makes me sick. When when people make mistakes and they don't acknowledge it. I mean, who do they think they're kidding? And what I find interesting, it's not surprising, if you were to ask what quality people like the most that's attractive to them, Almost always, top of the list, honesty, authenticity, genuineness. You know, people say things like, you know, I, I really like people. I like people who, they, they tell you something and they follow through with action. I like people that, that make commitments and they, they keep them. I love people that have the courage to be real, even if it's not pretty or popular. I love people that are willing to admit that they make mistakes once in a while. And here's what I've found. Through the years, people are strongly drawn to people that are sincere, that are genuine. And that's what Jesus was pressing. Jesus was pressing that when he talked to the Pharisees. He says, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish. And then the outside will be clean. Today what I want to do is try and convince everybody that's here that one of the most effective ways to point people to God is the way that we live. To point people to the transforming power of Christ. The most important thing you can do is be real. Be real, to not try and be more than you are, to not try and be less than you are, but to be real, to be genuine, to be sincere, to be who you are, who God created you to be. And I think the temptation is to try and be more than we are in life, to uh, kind of put on a front and try and impress people. True? Do you think that's true? You know, it's kind of like the uh, newly promoted colonel. He's moving into his office. He's unpacking his boxes, trying to get stuff situated in his desk. And he sees a private heading down the hall, heading toward his office door. And so real quick, he spins around. He grabs the phone. He wants to look busy and important. And so he's like, yes. Yes, General Petraeus. Yes. That, that is an excellent idea, sir. You know, I really appreciate you calling and checking and running that by me. You know, we'll, we'll talk soon. Turns around and goes, oh, private, what can I do for you? Said, nothing, Colonel. I'm just here to hook up the phone. You know. <laughs> Friends, this world's full of deception people trying to be more than they are. 
There's so much uh, pretense, uh, pretenders everywhere in our culture that people who genuinely live life in in the real, they they create create quite a stir in life just just for being real. I mean, how do we do that? How do do we live with that kind of authenticity, the kind of authenticity that, that turns people toward God and connects with them? I'm going to look at four areas that I believe we've got to work on. Please hear me. This is not exhaustive. It's merely a foundation. You know, but I believe it'll create a good foundation. And and the first is to be authentic in our identity. See, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you how many times I have talked to Christians. And they're new in their faith. Or I'm talking to people that are trying to reconnect with God. And they will tell me things like, you know, what kind of drew me in was the realization that God's family is really diverse, really diverse. I mean, I remember several years ago, I'm talking to a guy, and these weren't his exact words, but it's pretty close. And he, he just said to me after the service, and he had been coming for a while, and he said, you know, I came to here... And I really expected that everybody would kind of be the same. But he said, there's people from all walks of life. And he gave kind of a litany to to that. And he said, I I heard you talking all the time about you're unique. That you got to figure out who God created you to be. And you encourage us all the time to let God guide us and to kind of push us in the direction that we're to go and what we're to do. And he said, that kept me coming back. But he said, when I realized, finally, that I didn't have to quit being me to become a Christian, he said, I didn't have to become someone else to be a Christian, that hit him. And I think what that guy was trying to say, that part of what drew him was meeting people that loved God, loved God with all their heart and their soul and their mind and their strength, and that they could do that without abandoning their basic makeup or personality, identity, whatever word you you want to use. See, I believe one of the greatest mistakes that believers make is renouncing or repressing their God-given uniqueness. You know, in some vain attempt to appear more spiritual, we we put on. We put on something that's not really us. And I think it's deadly for a couple reasons. Here's one, that, that that kind of repression or loss of self, what you find is you end up kind of in no man's land. You you dry up inside because you quit being you, quit being who God created you to be. And the second reason that that's a problem is that when you repress who who you are, again, DNA stuff, personality, when you do that, it means the people that you live life with at work or at school or whatever, they never get to see what it means for God to work in someone like you. 
In fact, until they see God working and living in someone just like you, they may miss it all altogether. If you want to be the voice, you've got to stop apologizing for how God created you to be. You've you got to stop trying to stuff yourself in some mold that you go, okay, I guess that's what a, a Christian looks like, and so I'm not going to laugh as much, and I'm not going to be, you know, I'm going to be more outgoing, or I'm going to be less outgoing. Those are personality things. Again, you've got to stop that. It is not God's plan. Now, hear me. I'm not talking about sin here. Oh, i just got to be me, and that, then I sin. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about DNA personality. When someone that's not a believer realizes that you can become a Christian without denying your, your DNA, it rings true to them. And further, they, they kind of realize that God celebrates that uniqueness and that God can leverage that uniqueness for, for the kingdom. And there's something liberating about that. You know, I have said many times, I am so glad that Faith Fellowship is a kaleidoscope of people. I mean, various personalities, temperaments, passions, interests. We come from all walks of life. You know, it's what the psalmist was saying, Psalms 139. It says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Do you realize that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? As you live out that uniqueness, resist being crammed into some mold, I believe it's a witness to the world. Someone may see God working in someone just like you. And that, that might be enough for them to take that first step across the line. So, so first way that we become a voice for God and we're able to draw people is be who God created you to be. Don't apologize for it. Don't repress it. Live it out and let your personality shine. Second thing is to be emotionally authentic. It is a powerful, powerful magnet to reaching people for Christ. You know, somewhere in the past century, millions, millions of Christians have got confused about how to express their emotions authentically. You know, I believe uh, some well-meaning but misguided pastors, teachers, basically what they taught was that dedicated Christians should never get angry, should never feel hurt or, or sad, should never uh, express uh, feelings of, of loss. And so what happened is that a whole generation of Christians started putting up fronts. You know, kind of the, praise God this happened. Oh, I'm so excited. In an attempt to act the part, and as a result, what happens is there's kind of an uh, emotional uh, vertigo, so to speak. You know, I believe when a person denies certain, certain feelings long enough, eventually what happens is we become emotionally confused. And if you, you stay on that path long enough, you lose your ability to even feel. 
in this desperate attempt to kind of uh, Christianize our emotions. What it does, it leaves you dry. And ultimately, it breaks you. And I'll be honest with you, it takes a lot of work. A lot of work, a lot of counseling to kind of regain that emotional equilibrium. All because of misunderstanding what Scripture is saying. Scripture says through our pain and stuff, we praise God, but we don't have to go, whoo I'm thrilled this happened or put on these faces. I think the second consequence of us putting on these fronts is equally as grave, and that is people who are not believers, are re- they are revolted by the lack of emotional genuineness. In other words, it's a red flag for them. When, when, for instance, they they see a Christian couple that has uh, lost a baby, and they kind of respond to to that with uh, dry eyes and praise God. People that are not believers, they just shake their head. You know, they look at the situation and go, "There, there should be some kind of grieving going on. I know they call me a pagan. They say I'm so far from God. But, but this is something to grieve. I don't care what your faith is. You know, the gospel reveals over and over that a lot of people that were far from God, they hung around Jesus on a regular basis. In fact, they were drawn to him. And Jesus, he always showed his feelings. I mean, Jesus' friend Lazarus, when he died... Jesus publicly broke down and cried. And he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. That emotional genuineness, I believe, made Jesus even more endearing to the people around him. And friends, I have stood at the grave of hundreds of people in my life. And when the friends and family of the loved one that's died are emotionally authentic and they show that I'm just drawn to them and I think you are too see what the what the world needs what the world needs is more than dry eyes and a pasted on smile and something that's pretend the the world really wants to see people that are grappling with fear and sadness and anger and jealousy they, they want to hear you talk about the, the pain and how you're working through it, to be open and honest about it. They want to watch you work out your faith without discounting your emotions. Does that make sense? You know, Paul, Paul writes this. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who, are, who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. In other words, as Christians, we are to grieve differently from the world. But we are to grieve. We grieve, but we have hope. This isn't the end. See, it's a different kind of grieving, but it's still grief. You know, don't hide the emotional struggles, is what I'm saying. Don't sanitize it. Don't try and Christianize it. God made you with the emotions that you have. God created you that way. God has emotions. 
And as you show them, as you grapple with whatever it is that you're struggling through, as you talk about that stuff, people are drawn in. Lack of emotional authenticity? Well, I can tell you, people look and they go, that's insincere. That's just fake. What a joke. Along that same lines, non-believers need to see how you deal with foul-ups or sin in your life. They, they want to see what you do when you fail. You know, too many Christians, I believe, have this mistaken idea that what you do, hide your failures. At all costs, hide them. Don't let anybody see them. Because we've been told this, that when the world sees our foul up, it drives people away from God. And so what we do, we don't let anybody see them. But it's really not the case. You know, I'll never forget uh, talking to a guy that uh, had been attending the church for a while. He was not a Christian at the time. And he had a lot of Christians that worked for him. And so he, by his own admission, he said, I watched him like Hawk. He said, I, I've been watching the Christians that work with me, for me. And uh, he said, I'm impressed by the ones that are conscientious, the ones that are helpful, the ones that are positive. But he said, I had something happen this past week that really hit me. He said, I had this guy who's worked for me for years. And word in the office was he was a new Christian. He said he came to my office one day and he asked if he could talk to me. And he said, I'll be honest, in my mind I thought, oh no, this guy's going to preach to me, <laughs> you know. But he said the guy sat down and it got really quiet. And he said he just sat there for a while. He said it was kind of uncomfortable. And he said finally the guy goes, you know what? I need to come clean. He said, I gave my life to Jesus Christ a few weeks ago. He said, I'm trying to get things straight, trying to fix some stuff. He said, I have worked here a long time. And through the years, there have been a few times I've taken supplies home with me. He said, I've cheated this company on more than one occasion. He said, I've come in late, left early. I've done personal business on on the clock. And he says, I want to make things right, but I don't know how to do it. So whatever you think, I'll I'll do it. I'll pay it back. If you need to fire me, I understand, but I'm just here to make it right. That guy told me of all the displays of Christianity that he had ever seen, that one impressed him the most. He said it had a positive powerful effect on him. And those two guys worked things out. But I want to ask you, what do you think made that so impressive? I mean, was it a sweetly delivered 10-minute testimony? Or was it a a clever uh, uh, presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ? No. No, it was one guy just being honest and genuine and admitting to his wrongdoings. Christians. I'm speaking to the Christians in the house. 
this authentic confession is a powerful witness to the transforming power of Jesus Christ. You know, it is a rare thing in our culture that someone admits to wrongdoing. We live in the age of rationalization, CYA. You know, do something wrong, hire a powerful lawyer. Why? So you can get off the hook. But when a Christian, when a Christian does what the Bible advises, when a trust is broken, when a wrong is committed, when a Christian owns it and repents and tries to make it right, it is a compelling witness to the world. It speaks volumes. Because I believe the world looks and goes, only the power of God would prompt someone to say, you know what, it's my fault. I'm wrong. You know, I wonder when was the last time you owned something? You know, when was the last time you admitted that you just messed up? I mean, how many of you are working yourself to death today trying to present a perfect image of whatever? Fearing if anybody, anybody found out. Now the whole thing would just, it'd all be lost. Well, a little heads up here. Non-believers... Do not expect perfection from Christians. They are way smarter than that. You know, what they long to see is people with courage to admit, to confess, to make it right. Because what it does, it assures them that you're real. And it also encourages them that if they were to give their life to Christ, that they don't have to live with the tyranny of perfection. It lets them know that they can make mistakes as a Christian, that they can make amends like you did, and that they could receive the grace of God and then move on. I mean, I believe right now the Holy Spirit's probably prompting some of you to go make something right. And I I just want to say, do not miss the opportunity. Do not miss the opportunity. That kind of authenticity, people need to see. They're drawn to it. There's one more area, and that is the area of convictions. Convictions need to be authentic. And let me tell you what I'm not talking about here. I am not talking about sporting a tee that says, I'm green. You know, and then going around going, yep, yep, I'm green. I recycle aluminum because I get money for it. I don't recycle glass and plastic. It's not convenient just takes too much time. But I'm green. Hey, have you seen my new Escalade? Cool, huh? But I'm green. Friends, that may be chic. It may be cool to sport the tea. But I can tell you two things. That's not green, and that's not a real conviction. It's not. How many of you remember, and and you're going to have to be closer to my age or older, but how many, many of you remember the picture of the, the Chinese college student that was standing in front of the tanks are advancing, Tiananmen Square? How many of you remember that? It was more than 20 years ago. And friends, I'll be honest with you, it's burned in my mind. Because that kind of conviction 
It stirs something in my soul. It gets my attention. The fact that that many said, yeah, I remember that. Says something. You know, I had similar feelings this past spring. They called it the Arab Spring. But as that all unfolded, you know, countries that were under oppression, men, women, children, they stood up. Some of them died for what they believed in. Every time I see that kind of thing where someone's willing to stand up to take a risk, to pay a price for, for something that they believe in, it just hits me. And I think it does you too. You know, it makes my heart beat harder. Even, even if I don't agree with the cause, I still find myself looking at people and looking at the depth of commitment to whatever the cause is, willing to take action and stand for something. Stand for something. I mean, friends, I have been a pastor over 30 years. And from the very onset, I have made it a point to connect with people that are outside the church that don't have a relationship with God. It's because I care about them. I love people like that. I love people that are investigating Christianity. I love people that are trying to figure out what's true, if God can be counted on. And here's what I know about those people. Those people that are not believers, they are rarely impressed with spinelessness. And I believe too many Christians... They've got this idea in their their head that if they stand up for something that they believe in, if they draw a line in the sand, if they they say a word or two about their faith, you know, if they live their life with biblical priorities, too many Christians think they will alienate themselves from the people in the world. Sometimes that happens. But most of the time, people that are searching, looking, they actually respect believers that aren't afraid to take a stand. Most of the time when someone's searching, trying to figure things out, when they see a Christian stand up for what they believe in, when they defend their faith intelligently, intelligently, live it out authentically, in front of the world, here's what happens. It forces them to start asking questions. You know, in light of the commitment I'm seeing from that Christian, in light of the convictions that this person has, what do I believe? You know, what, what am I willing to stand up for? You know, what am I living for Who am I following? And friends, when you start asking questions like that, it ultimately, you will find those answers in Jesus Christ. And that's a good sign. You know, there's an account in the New Testament. It's a uh, battle-hardened centurion. 
He was a spectator to Jesus' crucifixion. You know, he watched Jesus as he was beaten, as he was mocked, spit on. He watched as they nailed him to the cross. And he watched Jesus maintain his claim to be the Son of God, Savior of the world. This guy watched as Jesus hung on the cross. He made provisions for his mom, and he offered grace to the thief that was dying next to him. Scripture says that Jesus' last words were, it's finished. And they took his last breath. Mark records, Mark 15, 39, and when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. When that centurion realized the cost, recognized Jesus' convictions, his willingness to to give it all up, when when he assessed all that he had been watching, it moved his heart, changed his mind. Because he saw Jesus willing to live out his convictions and die for him. And friends, it brought that centurion to his knees before God. I'm going to say this one more time. Non-believers are searching for something and they have very little respect for spineless Christians. Deep down, they are looking for anyone that will step up and proclaim truth. You know, I want to say this to you. Why can't it be you? Why can't it be me? You know, what are we afraid of? What, what are we allowing to, to hold us back? What is it? I mean, we, we have the, the power of God working through us. We have the Holy Spirit to, to prompt us and strengthen us. We have the Word of God to guide us. We have the church to support us and encourage us. We have heaven to look forward to. We have a relationship with God that, that's secure. Nothing separate us. Let's be real. Let's be real. Authenticity matters. And it should matter to you. Why? Because people matter. You should be real each and every day. Be real. Be who God created you to be, wired you up to be. Let your personality shine. You know, let your emotions be real. When your heart breaks, let people see it. You know, when you're full of joy, shine. You know, when you make mistakes and and you sin, let people see you working through it. Grapple with it. Let them see how God is changing you. Stand up for what you believe in in a God-honoring way. Don't be obnoxious. Don't be weird. But be God-honoring. And let your light shine. Let your voice be heard. Because when you do that, when you're real, people are drawn to it. And people matter. That's why this topic matters. Okay? Let's bow in a word of prayer to God. Our holy God, God, we praise you. God, I thank you for 
the people that are scattered throughout our lives. Maybe it's somebody we work with. Maybe somebody we go to school with. Maybe it's a place we frequent. Whether we're shopping or the post office or whatever. God, I pray that we'd be a voice. God, I am absolutely sure that as we've been talking this morning that there have been names and faces flashed through our mind. God, I pray you would, through your Holy Spirit, impress upon us how much that person matters. Figure out how to connect with them. God, there is so much at stake. God, I thank you for every person here. I pray that you would continue to guide us, to strengthen us, to help us be the people you created us to be. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.